0: Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salami. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. We're going to give Steve Krupa the week off. I had a, a fantastic conversation with a very cool company called Propeller Health. Propeller is helping people with asthma manage their disease by developing sensors that are fixed to uh, inhalers and other tools to uh, really help someone monitor the medications they're receiving, but also the, uh, the problems that they're having. It also provides some very cool information about environmental conditions and other things that can impact people with asthma and other respiratory diseases. So David's a cool guy. He's got a really interesting background for a tech CEO. We'll get into that. And Propeller's uh, doing some really important things in public health. So I know you'll enjoy this conversation. I also want to let you know that uh, we're having a summit dedicated to the respiratory field on May 19th in San Diego. It's called the Respiratory Innovation Summit. It's happening again in San Diego during the annual meeting of the American Thoracic Society. The two meetings aren't connected, but they are uh, occurring at the same time. We're getting a lot of support from ATS, and we're very grateful for that. Go to attendris.com. We're going to have over 20 companies presenting, including some very, very cool digital health companies. Check out the lineup. The, the website, again, is attendris.com, because that's what we would like you to do, attend RIS. Check out the lineup, and please join us on May 19th in San Diego. Now let's get into this conversation with Dave Van Sickle. Well, David Van Sickle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me here, Tom. We're extremely uh, thrilled to have you at the MedTech Conference on May 31st in Minneapolis. That's going to be a great panel that uh, Lisa and helped put together. So uh, thanks for being part of that. And uh, Propeller is one of those companies that uh, you hear a lot about. I don't know how you're able to generate the buzz you do, but uh, but there's a lot going on. So I was hoping in this podcast to, to just focus the buzz a little bit, find out a little bit more about what Propeller is up to, and then we can get into your career uh, later on because you've got some interesting origins. So tell us a bit about uh, Propeller's technology. Uh, what are the origins, and, and what exactly is Propeller able to do?
1: Sure. So about 10 years ago, uh, I met uh, two co-founders, and we uh, took some technology that I'd been working on on campus uh, off the uh, University of Wisconsin and started uh, the business of Propeller, initially called Asmapolis, but we ended up... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why would you renaming you <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's, it was very it was very memorable and equally hard to pronounce. Um, so, uh, it had some some special brand magic. Well, but, uh, uh, but it was quite confusing. Uh, thank you for, for changing it. As a, I'm uh, sorry to drop, but
0: as a podcaster, thank you for changing it. That would have been a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that,
1: that's right. Um, you know, it was it was uh, it was obvious to us after a couple of years of being in the market that there was. Um, there was an interest in what we were doing, not just in asthma, but in, but in COPD, and, and candidly, when people with COPD were getting a box with uh, the words asthmapolis on the side, they were, they were confused and, you know, in some cases would just send it back. So we, we saw this opportunity to expand the market to, um, to all of respiratory, and, you know, that was kind of the reason behind the name. But it also taught us a lot about the ways in which the the work that we were doing to monitor the day-to-day use of medicines and to put that the data uh, to use in uh, in improving self-management and giving physicians and organizations uh, new views into how their their populations of patients were doing. Um, you know how that could be brought into to folks with COPD as well. Um, a very different audience, right? And asthma often a, a pediatric onset. Uh, and then COPD uh, you, you know, disproportionately later in life. So different experiences and facilities with technology, uh, you know, different demands and requirements from, uh, from, from the technology itself, uh, it gave us a lot of new challenges, but it was also, uh, I think, really satisfying to the team and to, to me personally, to think about chronic respiratory disease as a whole and a target for what we were doing um, you know, beyond just asthma uh, in the early days.
0: So tell us a bit about what uh well uh, before I get into the what you want to do I'm I'm, I'm going to go off a bit of a tangent. I'm I'm a fan of uh, other podcasts including the the startup podcast where it was about the creation of Gimlet Media and they had a whole episode about uh coming up with the name of Gimlet Media. How ultimately did you uh come up with the name for of Propeller Health? Did you uh did you hire a firm to uh draw that up or <laughs> did you just, you know, bump into an a, a propeller someday, one day at an airport or something? Yeah
1: um no it, i mean it was uh it was a name we'd we'd thought of early on but it had been you know it had been passed over um and, and when the time came for us to make the switch, uh, I think one of my investors' uh, words were, you know, do it fast and do it for you know for free. Uh, so we <laughs> so we spent uh, you know time and, and and most of our our creative output coming up with uh, with alternatives, and and that's where we landed. And in the end, we you know we built a story around. Um, you know, the, the way in which, uh, propellers, like, generate lift and, you know, mechanical advantage and kind of all of the, all of the symbolism that can come along with, uh, with the air and, and energy and so forth. Um, you know, it, it resonated with, with what we were, what we, how we think about technology and what we're trying to build, um, sort of in, in the utility of, uh, you know, better days with fewer symptoms and so forth. And, uh, so, so we went with it. And, um, you know, it's been, uh, it 's been the name of the company now for so long I, f- I almost forget until somebody shows up in an old asmapolis shirt uh, <laughs> that we were ever called something different
0: so. you 've got to get one of those shirts, so tell us a bit about uh, about what uh, propella does it 's a sensor that you' fix to your to your well why don 't I let you just tell you answer the question what is propella 's technology what exactly are you able to do yeah
1: sure so uh, so really, the idea for the technology was uh, was inspired by. Um, kind of an emerging trend in, in trying to understand how to better manage asthma in a community and uh, the recognition that how often people were using their day to day medications, which people uh, you know take in one case to try to prevent symptoms from occurring, and on the other hand they use a different kind of medicine to relieve an attack when when it happens. Um, the idea was that making visible that those patterns of medication use could really provide a whole new source of information about how a patient was doing. It'd be like a new vital sign for, for, their, for their respiratory health. And mm-hmm. it would also teach you about you know, their burden and their management. And so way back when, um, the idea was to figure out a way to put technology onto an inhaler, which you know, is this uh, you know, device that people are carrying around and using already you know, in millions of people across the, the US. Uh, to figure out a way to marry technology with that device so we could monitor remotely the use of it and you know in the case of the day to day medicine, um, figure out technology and uh interfaces and experiences that would help people understand and be more regular at using those uh, those medicines to be more adherent with their you know their prescribed regimen and then in the case of the medicine that they 're taking when they have symptoms when they 've got an asthma attack and they 're wheezing or coughing or whatever monitoring the use of that because it's a it's really a marker or a sign of how well somebody's doing if you're using a lot of that medicine or you're using it often at nighttime it gives you this indication of how well somebody's doing whether they're stable and improving or you know worsening and likely to have a more serious exacerbation Um, so again uh, collectively like what we do is take these medicines, connect them to the network, and essentially create kind of this live pulse of the planet about, you know, the respiratory health of an individual, but also what's happening around them in their community. Uh, and hopefully uh, then, you know, follow that through all the way to better self-management, better care and treatment from their physician, and even, you know, better public health. So that data can loop back all the way on to municipal decision-making and Interventions that uh, you know a payer or a municipality might take to try to make life easier for people with uh, with chronic respiratory disease
0: interesting so is it uh, the, the sensor that 's attached to the uh, to the inhaler is, is it simply measuring the the compressions and, and that 's it, or does it go deeper in that well that's
1: that 's one of the types so there 's a whole bunch of different kinds of inhalers on the market nowadays there's okay. There's the you know the kind you think of where you press and breathe. It's called a meter dose inhaler, and we make a sensor for that. And then there's a whole bunch of medications that are delivered in that type of an inhaler. Then there's dry powder inhalers. You know some of which, like uh, the Adver discus, for example, look like a sort of a purple, uh, flat purple oval, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's you know there's there's many different varieties. So from early on, Propeller had to really confront like this complexity and. The different types of medicines that people were using to address, uh, you know, chronic respiratory disease, the different form factors, so to speak, and we had to build devices, uh, 510K devices, you know, get them through regulatory review and approval that could be attached to a device, not make it any more difficult or complicated to use that medicine. God forbid we don't want to make it harder for you to use your inhaler or somehow interfere with the delivery of the medicine. So we have to do a lot of work to demonstrate to the agency that these are safe and effective and so on, reliable. Um, so we have to build a variety of different devices now to encompass kind of all the different medications that are on the market for uh, for chronic respiratory. And then, you know, make sure that those can be, um, that can be, uh, you know, they're, that they're portable, that they can be reused for a long life, uh, that they don't need to be recharged, you know, that they're easy to connect to your phone and so forth. So there's lots of different aspects to the technology, but um, the vast variety of, uh, of different types of inhalers sure made kind of... Uh, you know the initial challenge of getting coverage across the market, one
0: of the the bigger obstacles we face so what are some of the other tools that you're uh, you're connecting sensors to? Uh,
1: well, we also grab data from connected spirometers mm-hmm. these are uh, These are devices that are used to sort of measure how much air you exhale and how fast you're blowing it out uh, and so forth and that gives you kind of a different picture of lung physiology, which kind of you know can inform uh, you know a view of how well the person's being being uh, being treated and can help diagnose it and so forth so those are devices those are different from the the connected you know sensors that we make for medicines it's a it's like a separate instrument and we get those uh, you know uh, and use those kind of as needed across different commercial programs um, otherwise we're capturing a lot of data from uh, cooperating services where uh, you know, We might want to understand the weather or the environment in a person's location where they're having a lot of symptoms and then use that to try to understand what's, what kind of exposures are causing their symptoms uh, and you know, help teach them or help them become experts in their own, um, in their own disease and uh, faster, so to speak. So what can we learn by looking around you in the environment when you're having an asthma attack, understanding uh, you know, what the weather's like or the, what the air quality or pollen is like, and then compare that to times when you're not having symptoms, right? And over, over the course of uh, participation in propeller, the system will rapidly learn um, what, you know, what I think of as kind of new perspectives on your condition and try to share those with you through uh, the different interfaces and ho- you know, hopefully help guide, pull you through to, uh, to better, kind of more efficient uh, self-management.
0: Hey, everyone, this is Tom. I just want to once again remind you about the Respiratory Innovation Summit, which is happening on May 19th in San Diego. Check it out. Go to attendris.com. That is attendris.com. Again, we have a digital tech company showcase that you should check out and also some great conversations between venture capitalists, CEOs, and others in the respiratory space. It's going to be a great one-day event for anyone interested in this very important disease area. Now let's get back into this conversation with Dave Van Sickle of Propeller Health. So I'm looking on your website, and I do see the the, the cell phone uh, images, and you have a daily asthma forecast for San Francisco, showing the air quality, the temperature, et cetera. Is that data yeah. that you're collecting and transmitting to uh, the the your users who have this app on their phone? Is that how that works?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so every day you get a personal forecast for. Uh, for
0: asthma or for you know for respiratory in your in
1: your area, and that's um, comprised just uh, well it's really it's really composed for an individual based on their own historical patterns, but also on what's happening around them in the environment, and that can mean you know weather, air quality, uh, pollen, all sorts of other data that the, the system is uh, trying to make sense of as it as it streams in, uh, and. You know and the beauty of the censored uh, medicines is that then we have, you know, we have a little bit of the uh, the outcome, right? We know then in the course of that day whether you used your medicine in response to that environment, uh, you know, that the context. So over time, the system's able to get much smarter, much quicker about uh, you know the value and accuracy of its predictions, if, if that makes sense, and you know to feed that back onto the uh, you know into the the analysis that it's running.
0: Fascinating. And looking at again the, the, your website, you've got almost a, a you sign up, you get your shipping, your sensors, you, and there's a a propeller health email that you'd sign up for. What is the what is the program like to engage with with patients? Are they are they I don't know part of a, of a, an online community? Uh, how are you sort of collecting these patients and and giving them these emails and interacting with them?
1: Yeah, there's really two ways that an individual might get enrolled in the system. One is uh, they would come to our website or like a co-branded landing page, uh, you know, create an account and then we would ship them a sensor or sensors for their relevant medicines in the, you know, in the mail and they would get them, get set up and get going. Uh, so kind of like a, you know, a consumer experience. The other is through clinics where where we work hand in hand with an organization. I mean, the a, a healthcare organization that... Uh, is participating in the program and in that case uh, you know the practice nurse or the physician or some someone in the in the clinic uh, might introduce the individual to the program and provide them with the kits there and and get going there's a couple of other ways that people can enroll in propeller but by and large those are the those are the the dominant uh, you know the dominant paths uh, we tend to work with a whole variety of organizations that um, you are, are essentially have you know economic and clinical interests in in trying to improve how people with chronic respiratory disease are doing, um, that means payers, obviously, that means provider organizations where they have some risk uh, economically around the outcome. Uh, that means PBMs. We announced a, a program with Express Scripts uh, last fall to bring Propeller to a whole bunch of their members, uh, and that you know that can mean kind of combinations of those organizations too, in increasingly interesting ways. Uh, so those are the those are really the kind of the main commercial uh, programs that are underway. And there, you know, certainly individuals can come to propeller and, uh, and look at what's available to them and sign up and, and
0: get using the system if they're interested. And what has your interaction been like with the uh, with the makers of the inhalers and the spirometers and such? Are they, are they um, amenable to having? Uh, have they been agreeable and amenable and working with you in making sure they work together? Uh, how would you uh, describe th- those interactions?
1: Oh, yeah, Strong, strong partners. Um, so I think respiratory is really interesting in that, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, we have highly effective medicines that can be really, uh, uh, really effective at improving asthma control, uh, for example, uh, but they're, that they're complicated and difficult to use in some cases or people don't quite understand them and adherence is, is low. The idea that a digital companion or some kind of digital experience could be tightly coupled with these medicines in ways that make them easier for people to understand, uh, more personal, uh, and um, you know help individuals uh, recognize the opportunity to use the existing medicines uh, more appropriately uh, is very attractive to, to respiratory pharma to payers, too, because they get to benefit from increased adherence uh, and to individuals. Right. Nobody wants to have a day with asthma symptoms if they could be avoided or if it's in your kid, uh, you know, the the willingness to pay and the interest in trying to to get the condition under control is is even higher. So uh, on the pharma side, propeller has worked closely with a bunch of different uh, brands and franchises to essentially help them think about ways in which a version of propeller or propeller itself could be uh kind of this companion digital experience to to their marketed medicine and you know in that collaboration then uh you know we help them uh you know think about also ways in which it gets distributed and how do we help them make sense of the data from the from the devices so these are long-standing and important and productive um, commercial partnerships that propeller has with organizations like like gsk for example uh you know to help them uh, uh, and to really work collaboratively to think about digital as a kind of an adjuvant to a uh, you know to a person 's inhaled medicine regimen
0: do you see uh, opportunities outside of respiratory to work with other other pharma or or med tech companies in developing sensors for their for their products
1: oh I mean I think there 's all sorts of connected medicines happening now i mean you 've seen introduction of connected injectable medicines for for a variety of conditions um, yeah, i think it 's just a matter of time before. Uh, you know connectivity obviously in the service of patients and physicians is brought to a range of different delivery devices uh, th- this isn 't really worth doing just for its own sake it 's only do- worth doing to the extent you can make you know a meaningful improvement in uh, the experience or you can meaningfully change the experience of a chronic disease in a way that benefits an individual or their physician or the patient physician team right You have to approach this from their perspective first and foremost, not from the perspective of. Uh, of anyone else involved and to the extent you can do that kind of across therapeutic areas and in different diseases absolutely it will happen um you know you'll i think you'll you already see that in the market and you'll see uh in, you know an increasing number of solutions um created there too so
0: um optimistic about the benefits is propeller staying in uh in its lane in, in respiratory or do you see opportunities for your company in other areas, uh,
1: I mean, I think we've learned a lot about about respiratory and how hard it is uh, to recruit, enroll, and onboard patients with asthma and COPD, and to build digital solutions that benefit benefit them. There's definitely some opportunities in in adjacent areas, uh, you know, closely adjacent areas where. We think what we've learned could potentially benefit individuals with specific uh, conditions. But, uh, but at the moment, we're, we're pretty focused on respiratory and the value that we can bring to those patients. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what happens. But, but right now, uh, connecting different types of medicines for, for inhaled medicines has been, been what we've uh, paid attention to.
0: And let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the partnership you had with uh, the City of Louisville and uh, you had some uh, some results recently that you announced uh, regarding improvements in, uh, in local asthmatics, residents inhaler use there. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, sure. This is a really interesting one, um, and one close to my heart because of my public health background. Um, we essentially worked with the, with the city of Louisville under the leadership of Mayor Greg Fisher there, who wanted to think about ways in which technology could help make it easier for individuals with asthma and COPD to live in, uh, you know, in the metro. And also, at the same time, create data that would enable him and his administration and and, uh, and different aspects of the city government to be more effective at targeting and evaluating interventions to try to improve poor poor air quality. Uh, the area is known for uh, kind of a, a topographic um, situation that ends up, you know, landing it on kind of one of the top ten worst places to live with asthma in the U.S. over and over again. So anything that Uh, that you can think about by monitoring where, when, who is having asthma in a community on a day-to-day basis, essentially building kind of, you know, the last mile of public health surveillance and trying to make visible those medication events. Anything you can learn there that could teach the city about where they need to intervene, given constraints on public health dollars, uh, on giving latitude and how they negotiate with, you know, stationary air polluters or, you know, how they route traffic and so forth, anything you can give them to make those data-driven decisions and to also help them evaluate whether they're effective is going to be in the interest of the city. It's going to be in the interest of businesses who want a healthier workforce. It's going to be in the interest of, of the residents, right? And uh, so it's a really interesting, really exciting partnership that came together with uh, dozens of different organizations across the city, ranging from payers to employers and uh, you know, health care organizations, all of whom really wanted to to come together to think about ways in which Propeller, specifically, but this idea of kind of crowdsource bottoms-up public health more generally, uh, could get put to work on this problem. Um, and you're starting to see now P- Propeller and others publish the results of of all that work, which was you know meaningful in that it brought about big improvements in individual symptoms amongst participants. But but even more generally, it was meaningful in the sense that it gave data kind of new new set of data. Uh, to actors who could do something with it, uh, you know, whether that's changing where they, um, you know, they invest in greening or whether they introduce traffic calming in a certain area and so forth, uh, you're seeing this really interesting kind of downstream uh, municipal interventions shape up as a result of uh, the information generated from propeller kind of in aggregate uh, in that city. And uh, you know, to me, that was kind of the reward of seeing uh, you know the whole thing come together kind of in closed loop my personal career from public health through you know digital health all the way back to public health, so to speak, uh, but also to see just the data flow kind of loop all the way back from individual to public health to municipality and so forth i think that I think that border between clinical medicine and and public health has been way too rigorously guarded over the years, and part of what we can do with digital is kind of break that down and and, you know, and traverse it back and forth all in favor of finding ways to, you know, to hopefully catch these diseases and new moments of weakness or to understand something that we couldn't see when we were just looking at individuals or just looking at groups.
0: Amen to that. That's great. And finally, I did want to wrap up with, with that. You're, you're, you were formerly of the CDC. You've, you've come from a public health background. Tell us a bit about, uh, well, how you got there and then how you ultimately became uh, CEO of a startup.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. I started out in public health. Actually, I'm trained as a as a medical anthropologist, uh, w- huh. which is a which is a
0: um,
1: essentially a fancy way of saying I think a lot about about culture and its role in the epidemiology of different different chronic conditions or in my case, chronic conditions. So and I put myself through graduate school by working in uh, different communities, um, sort of where there was an opportunity to look at asthma and different um, you know, different types of asthma or different kinds of exposures and how that was manifesting uh, in, in chronic respiratory. So that meant a couple of years uh, working on the Navajo reservation, a couple of years up in Alaska, uh, in, the, in the Yukon, Kuskokwim Delta, and then my dissertation work was over in India for a couple of years. Um, when I finished up, I went to work at the CDC as part of the Epidemic Intelligence Service, which is essentially a, like a disease detective job, uh, You know. Essentially, trying to you know identify and then squelch any kind of outbreak of of a respiratory wow. condition.
0: CSI CDC kind of thing.
1: Yeah, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I had the Fry Cook hat and everything. I was a pretty pretty big failure as a public health service officer because I didn't know how to salute. I was told I saluted like a British officer, which is problematic all around. That hurts. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I uh, you know I realized quickly on that public health data was neither timely nor uh, geographically specific enough to sort of let me do what I was hoping we could do at the public health level, which was, you know, real timely and kind of interventions to try to to, to bring these, uh, these asthma episodes under control. And um, so I left and came up here after three years there at CDC. I came up here to the School of Medicine in Wisconsin uh, to a postdoc here. And um, you know, pretty quickly went awry as, a, as an academic and started. Uh, this was 2006. Uh, started developing um, you know, new technology that could that could help connect, or well, that would connect an inhaler to the network. Um, I had this idea, right, that if you could monitor where an inhaler was used in time and place, you could you could essentially change the way you did public health. You'd have this, uh, as I said before, kind of this bottoms up perspective on what was happening, and uh, so I wanted to build that. Um, yeah, I was able to get, you know, to get it going kind of in, on, on campus uh, and ran a couple of small trials with early prototypes that were remarkable for, um, you know, for the patience and the enthusiasm that the individuals uh, who participated showed. They were really interested in doing more and better in managing their asthma. And so I, as we started to see clinical results come out of that and we could see the benefits that were, um, that were accruing to the participants, we... Uh, you know, I, I looked around for a way to kind of get this off campus into out of the you know yearly grant funding cycle, and try to get it to scale. And that's when I, I uh, socially encountered the the two fellows who'd gone to be co-founders of Propeller, uh, Mark Gehring and Greg Tracy, who had um, a background together in in uh, in uh, medical uh, software startups essentially building uh, radiation treatment planning software and and imaging systems and so forth so it was just a really good meeting of uh uh you know skills and experience and enthusiasm and um you know i owe so much of what's been uh fun and and accomplished about about propeller to, to those two guys and everybody else that's gathered around the business over the years to help get us
0: down the road so, what have been the challenges in being the CEO of a startup? I mean, you still are—you still very much have health and public health as part of your core mission, but you also need to manage people and run a company. What has that transition been like? Uh,
1: it's it's been good. Um, it's different, right? I don't as a not no longer really a scientist. I don't get to work directly on the problem. Now I worked it kind of in order removed, right, or an ab, a layer abstracted from that, and building a team that works on the problem and that's definitely one of the rewards it's also just intellectually always one of the challenges right to figure out how to how to work on the company as much as you know you're still thinking about the problem yourself as a you know as a scientist with a deep background in that specific area so but things have changed a lot and i think that's one of the more um you know the one of the the more uh, significant challenges over the years has been trying to build a, a health technology startup in the context of a pretty dynamic healthcare environment, right where for the first couple of years we weren't sure uh, you know if there was going to be healthcare reform, then there was healthcare reform and is it going to be repealed and then you know uh, and so on and so forth uh, so it just understanding kind of where the background um, kind of incentives and and orientation were going to wind up and whether they're ever going to stabilize was always was always a you know in kind of in the front of the company's. Um, you know strategy like how do we how do we build a business that 's driving down you know acute utilization for ER, uh, of ER and hospital for for asthma attacks if you know if there, we don 't move to value based care right or what what have you so uh that was that was uh that was difficult i think we had to we had to convince ourselves ultimately that there was always going to be a commercial model for a company that could make it easier to live and better manage you know asthma and COPD and forget what was happening in the background with uh you know with healthcare reform and just assume that it was going to it was always going to make sense to an individual patient and a physician and we'd figure out a way to make it commercially work
0: Yeah, someone famously said who knew healthcare was so complicated right <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah and that's true that's true in the static
1: sense and then you know, and then like forward that over the year and uh you know over the years and it's like whoa it's really been quite a quite a, a different and evolving target over the years but uh i don't know i think i i still believe what kind of what we convinced ourselves when it was fluctuating it's, what really matters is like accumulating clinical evidence and making sure this is something that's meeting the day-to-day kind of you know needs of patients who don't want to do as much work managing illness you know
0: absolutely and in the louisville study has got to be very very gratifying and that's a seems to be a very cool city for kind of a hotbed of uh, of healthcare innovation just just keep hearing more and more from, coming from there so it's cool to be part of it yeah they're doing
1: lots of great work down there all sorts of good uh, good companies in healthcare and beyond. So it's a, it's a really a really remarkable setting for that kind of innovation and support and so on.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes to, to share your story and Propeller's story. And uh, again, we look forward to seeing you on May 31st at the MedTech Conference.
1: Yeah, thanks. I look forward to being there. I appreciate the time today. <laughs>
0: Well, that's a wrap. Thanks again, Breaking Health Podcast listeners, for joining us on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Please give us a ranking on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to. Also, reach out to me. I am at MedTechTom. That's on Twitter. Or you can email me, Tom, at HealthG.com. That is the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y.com. Healthogy is the producer of this podcast, of the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, of the Respiratory Innovation Summit, which is happening on May 19th in San Diego. So please do check out uh, check out our company website healthagy.com, but you can also go to attend RIS for more information about our next event the Respiratory Innovation Summit in San Diego.